Hello, good morning, good afternoon, guys. Thank you all for tuning into the show once again. I'm your host, Tavares Wilson, and I always get the last word. And guys, today we're just going to jump right into some NBA news. As you all probably seen, reports broke out saying that Jamal Murray, the Denver Nuggets point guard, you know, the guy who I felt as if was starting to make and actually tore his ACL today. He will be out for the remainder of the season. Absolutely, absolutely unfortunate for the... <clears throat> This Denver Nuggets team, man, who just recently traded for a guy in Aaron Gordon, who they had a lot of high hopes for to complement that front court alongside of, <clears throat> excuse me, alongside of Nikola Jokic. Now with Jamal Murray out for the remainder of the season, there's really no telling how this season will end up or how it will trans- transition into what it will transition into. But I want to speak briefly on something that Josh Hart spoke about. One of his tweets basically alluded to the fact that the NBA season started early because of the shortened season, because of the fact that, you know, the bubble and it extended to the summer and things of that nature. Josh Hart is literally alluded to something and spoke on something that I briefly discussed in earlier episodes, basically saying that the NBA, man, honestly, man, they rushed the offseason. They rushed it, you know. Roger Goodell and the the NBA committee, excuse me, they 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 rushed it. It's just simply put, man. I mean, there's no there's no other way to state it. And to be quite honest with you guys, I I know for a fact they didn't have the NBA players' best interests at heart. And and not not Roger Goodell. I'm sorry, I don't see it, but guys, I'm, I don't know why I said Roger Goodell, but. Adam Silver and the rest of the NBA committees and things of that nature, they didn't have the players' best interests at heart. If they did, they would have postponed at least another month. They didn't do that. These guys from left and right have been getting hurt. Have guys the likes of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Joel B, Stephen Curry. Now you have guys like Jamal Murray, who's out for the middle of the year, LaMelo Ball, who's out for the middle of the year. These are all big-name players who are all young or even vet, seasoned vets that are out for the middle of the season due to the fact that they simply didn't have the training and rehab or the relaxation that you would typically have in the off season. It's a lot of wear and tear on the body. And a lot of people won't take that into consideration because first and foremost, these are multi-million dollar athletes. That doesn't mean they're not human. They can get hurt, they can get scratched up, banged up, just like the rest of us. It all happens to everyone. We're all human at the end of the day. So it's disappointing, man, to see Jamal Murray go out with that type of that significant of an injury at that. You know, I hope he comes back bigger, stronger than ever. But at the end of the day, this is something I feel as if the NBA kind of dropped the ball on, something they could have handled better for sure. And the other NBA news, guys, as you all know, that the Timberwolves in the Nets game was postponed the other day due to another police shooting that occurred and in all honesty it just alludes to a fact that you know some things in this world do not change and I'm not going to go into any details about the shooting per se that occurred in Minnesota if you guys all want to know you go you're more than welcome to check it out online you know just be sure to keep an open mind and stay positive man because there's some things in this world you simply can't control there's some things you simply can't control how people view things but at the end of the day, that game 
will be played, I believe it was moved to Thursday night. If it wasn't this Thursday, it was next Tuesday. I believe it was Thursday night more than likely. But the game will be played, guys. I know a lot of fans and a lot of people are upset about that. But the game will be played. You just have to bear with them a little bit longer. The game will be more than likely. Well, not more than likely. It will be played. It's already been officially released. Now... Another NBA news, guys, as we all know, the Brooklyn Nets, the Los Angeles Lakers, both dealing with injuries, but both are still pretty favorable favorites to win it all. Now, who do I think can overcome both of these teams? First and foremost, I'm going to start with the Lakers because a lot of people have them going back to the finals once LeBron and AD comes back. First and foremost, the one team I feel as if we're getting them run for their money, and honestly, it was a team that should have gave them run for their money last year, and that's the Clippers. I mean... Paul George is playing out of his mind right now. Kawhi Leonard is playing Kawhi Leonard type ball. You know, he's been doing, he's been pretty consistent the past two or three years, especially counting. And they just have a good, solid team around them to compete. They have a lot of good wing defenders. A lot of teams in the league cannot say they have elite two or three elite defenders on the wing. They do have that. They can score from all phases of the floor. That is something a lot of teams, again, cannot say. And all honesty, man, this is a team that has experience of winning championships. You got a guy like Serge Ibaka. You got a guy like Kawhi Leonard. You know, you got that championship pedigree on your team. Again, a lot of the teams cannot say that around the league. Now, in terms of another, I'm going to give at least two. In terms of another contender to possibly beat out the Lakers for that Western Conference spot. I'm going to have to say the Utah Jazz. And as much as cliche as it may be, man, I think the Utah Jazz have exactly what the Lakers fear. And that's an elite rim protector. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, they would think twice before trying Rudy Gobert at the rim. Rudy Gobert is a two-time defensive player of the year. He's a guy who was an all-NBA defender. He's by far the best rim protector this game has seen in a long time. I think he's someone that gives you flashbacks of some old school 90s to early 2000 centers who not necessarily going to put up the big scoring digit numbers, but he'll put up enough to get you the rebounds, he gets you the blocks, he gets you the good rim protection. He's a good defender on the perimeter. He's not great, of course. I mean, naturally, he's going to be below average compared to guards when it comes to wing defense, but Against other bigs, even athletic bigs, he holds his own. So I can't really discredit him for that. But at the end of the day, that's something the Lakers do not want to see. A Rudy Gobert and a scorer like Donovan Mitchell, they don't, they don't want to see that. And for the Nets, man, first things first, the first thing that comes to mind for me is the Milwaukee Bucks. I think the Milwaukee Bucks have very versatile defenders that can match up well across the board against them. Whether that's Ben Simmons on Kevin Durant, a good matchup. Whether that's Drew Holiday on Kyrie Irving, good matchup. Whether that's Chris Middleton or James Harden, another good matchup. Three really solid or great defenders against three really good or great scorers. I mean, you pay to see those kind of matchups. Let's just be honest, guys. It's a really good matchup across the board. Then you have LaMarcus Aldridge against an all-NBA center and Brick Lopez. Again, games you pay to see. All across the board. Another team I think are going to set them, and this is if this they get fully healthy. Because I believe if Victor Oladipo can find his health and just stay consistently healthy, 
I think Miami Heat have a legitimate chance to win the entire East. And I'm not just saying that because I'm from Miami. I'm not saying that because I'm biased. No. I genuinely believe that the Miami Heat can win the East. All they have to do is stay healthy. They have the coaching. They have the grit. They have the want to. They have. They even have the experience in a short amount of time that they've had together. Because they've been to a championship. They know what it takes to get there. They just have to want it. They have to stay healthy. Stay consistent. And I think they can do that with a little bit of help from guys like Victor Oladipo, who is missing time currently right now. And also from guys like Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, key players who both missed some time this year. They have to stay healthy first and foremost, and that's the biggest thing for me, for both of those guys. And in all honesty, I think these guys can be a lot better than what they are, both of these teams. But I will say this, though, about both teams as far as the Bucks and the Heat. They haven't played up to the standards what we've expected yet. So far, the Nets and the Sixers have been the runaway favorites with the East or the guys who are the teams to beat out in the East. Again, I still think once the playoffs come, you know, it's best out of seven. Whoever wins it, wins it. doesn't matter what the record is. Now, other news, guys, we're going to jump right into the NFL news. No other basketball news was real significant at this moment, but we're going to jump right into the NFL news. And first and foremost, man, we got to speak briefly about the Julian Edelman retirement. And I'm going to make the case on why exactly Julian Edelman is not a Hall of Famer. First and foremost, Julian Edelman has no first-team All-Pro selections, second-team All-Pro selections. He has no All-Pro selections. Let's get that correct. No Pro Bowl selections. He has under 7,000 yards for his career in terms of pass, I mean, receiving touchdowns. He did not hit 100 touchdowns in his career receiving-wise. And... He he simply did, he simply did not accomplish enough to be in this argument of a Hall of Fame receiver. A lot of people want to put out the fact that he is the second most accomplished receiver in NFL playoff history or things like that. Listen, man, that is fine and dandy, man. I'm not discrediting him for that at all. But consistency for 16, 17, 18 games matter. If you're going to be really, really good for two or three games throughout the year, regardless of when they happen or when they come, that's not a Hall of Famer. A Hall of Famer is a guy who's going to be good to great 15, 16 games without the year, even including the playoffs. You're going to be good or great consistently for 99% of the season. You may have one, one game or just one half where you're just not you, but you're going to be great extremely more often than not. That's not the case for Julian Edelman. He was average to good. He was never really great. That's not a Hall of Famer to me. And a lot of guys want to make the case for him, but I just can't I can't support that case. I love Julian Edelman as a player. I think he was a real nitty-gritty type of player. But he's no Hall of Famer, man. He's just not. Now... In other news, I wanted to speak briefly on my new draft prospects top five. And this week, guys, we're doing the wide receivers. And just so you know, FYI, we're not doing a fan Q&A this week, guys. Everything we're doing is just strictly draft prospects, and we're doing the receivers this week. So first and foremost, I want to speak on 
James, Jamar Chase. I don't know why I said James. My bad, guys. I want to speak on Jamar Chase as my number one receiver prospect. First and foremost, this guy is an elite talent in terms of attacking the ball in the air, his versatility, and just being a more aggressive person. He wants it more than anyone else once the ball is in the air. That's it. He's coming down with if it's whether he got to jump for it, whether he got to go get after it, whether he has to go across the middle, fingertip catch, great hands, really physical guy, big. You know, he's not the biggest. I believe he's 6'1", about 225 maybe. Still pretty good, Shivas, guys. He's not a guy who's enormously huge like a Mike Evans and Julio Jones with, with his skill set and what he does. But he's a guy who is simply put, he is a monster in terms of what he can do in the field, man. And he's just someone who people should honestly just be excited to see once Sunday comes because he's going to be a top 10 pick regardless of where he goes. Now, some some positives and negatives for him. Again, I'm saying it's positive. I think he's the most versatile receiver in this draft. I honestly think that you put him in the slot, you put him outside, you put him in the backfield, things of that nature. He has the physicality to run to run receiver screens, to go do end of rounds. He has the quickness and looseness to make a guy miss an open field, take a two-yard spot route, take it 40 yards up the field. He has all that in the bag. I think he's all that in the bag of chips. I think he has really, I think he's a really good underrated route, route runner. I think his routes are extremely polished and they're better than what they give him credit for. He uses his leverage and release to his advantage. I think that is huge when it comes to receivers. And I'm gonna speak on that a little bit about a guy later. But I think that's absolutely huge when it comes to receivers. His, your release and the leverage you use with your body, that is extremely important when it comes to receivers. So weaknesses for him, honestly, guys, I think he could be a way better blocker. He doesn't apply himself to blocking enough for me. You know, typically that's how star receivers are in college because they know, excuse me, they know they can get away with not blocking in college. I just don't want him to develop that habit of not blocking at all to the next level because you're going to be asked to block at the next level, especially when you're a pretty big guy like Jamar Chase. I mean, you're 6'1", 225. You have to be able to block somebody. Just have to. Another weakness for me, I, th I think he his, his, his style of play at the next level is going to truly have to show whether or not he's truly special. Because even despite the fact that every great thing I said about him and being the fact that he's my number one receiver on my board, he's a bit undersized for his style of play. His style of play, you'll see more like from a guy like Julio Jones, Mike Evans, Mike Williams, things of those natures. The thing that separates him from a guy like Mike Williams, though, and the Devontae Parkers of the world is the fact that he's a way more polished route runner than those guys. So that's why I put him in the realm of the Julio Joneses and Mike Evans, because those guys are still pretty good route runners despite their size. He just doesn't have their size. That is the, the issue here. So I have to see exactly how that translates to the next level. Now, my pro comparison for him is exactly what I just said. He's a smaller version of Mike Evans than me. I think he has really good hands, reliable, way better route runner than he's given credit for. I think he's good off his release off the ball. I think he can win the 50-50 balls easily. To me, he's a lot like what Mike Evans is, just a little bit smaller. And a lot, to be honest, he's a lot what Dez Bryant is, was in his prime. 
I mean, I think he's a more polished player than what Dez Bryant was coming out of college. That's the reason I made the Mike Evans comparison. But he's the deep threat Mike Evans is. He is the versatile player Mike Evans is. He could do everything Mike Evans did coming out of A&M. And I think he's the perfect comparison to Jamar Chase. Now, my number two receiver, guys, I'm going to have to go with Devontae Smith. Heisman winner, guy who absolutely lit up the field every Saturday. I'm talking about a guy who put up mad in NCAA video game numbers. I'm talking about stuff you'll never see. Despite all of that, this guy is someone who has been extremely, extremely, extremely scrutinized for his size, whether or not the play will translate to the next level because of his size, whether or not he can maintain his health and things like Well, regardless of the case, my thing is, man, it's like what Brian Flores says. A great player is a great player. A good player is a good player. Simply put, it doesn't matter if he weighs 120 or he weighs 220. If you're good at what you do, you're good at it. It's just that simple. doesn't matter what you do or how you do it. If you do it, you do it. Now, some strengths for Devontae Smith, for me personally, I think he's the best route runner in this draft. I, I genuinely think that. I think the way he gets in and out of his breaks is as smooth as anyone, if not the smoothest. I think he, his route tree is the most expanded in the draft. And I also think he can just create separation naturally from his routes better than anyone I've seen in this draft thus far, at least from watching the film thus far. Another positive for him, I think he has great after the speeds, after the catch speed. I don't think he's necessarily a burner, but he knows how to pick a lane and pick a hole and pick a certain cut and be gone in a blur. Even though the fact that he's not Jalen Waddle, his teammate, a 4-3 type of guy, he's not that. But he picks certain parts of the field where he can know he can get through certain spaces and create separation and things of that nature. Now, my fourth receiver for me, my third receiver, excuse me, my third receiver for me would be Jalen Waddle. Now, Jalen Waddle, guys, he is a guy. Oh, wait, my pro comparison for Devontae Smith, my apologies, guys, I skipped over this a little bit is Marvin Harrison. I think Marvin Harrison is the perfect example of what Devontae Smith is. Really, really good talent, great route runner, really reliable hands. Can he maintain at the next level his size? I believe Marvin Harrison and Marvin Harrison and Deshaun Jackson are the perfect examples of these. And I think Devontae Smith will be the next to fall in line with those very same guys. Now, my next third receiver on the board, I think it's Jalen Waddle, man. Jalen Waddle is literally everything embodied that you see in Tyreek Hill. That is my pro comparison. I just gave it away. Jalen Waddle is a very more, very, very polished route runner. More than Tyreek Hill was coming out of school. Explosive. I'm talking about next level gear speed. This is just one of his biggest pros. Really, really good route runner. To combine that with his speed... His explosiveness and his route running ability, he's virtually unstoppable, if I'm being honest with you guys. To me, some weaknesses for him, he could be a bit better at blocking as well. I think he could be a bit better at, you know, finding those open lanes within certain route or zone concepts and things of that nature. And all honesty, I think his hands could be a little better. I mean, I, he, I didn't see him drop a whole lot. But he, he had some drops that was a bit worrisome at the next level. I don't think it'll be a problem. I think he'll spend this whole entire offseason grinding and getting the best out of whatever he can. 
So I don't look at anything as a problem. To me, this is a he's a top fifteen pick. And again, my pro comparison to him is Tyreek Hill. I think he's the closest thing you'll see to Tyreek Hill in the NFL once he's drafted. Speedy guy, crafty, explosive, slippery, hard to tackle, whatever you want to say, Tyreek Hill got Jalen Waddle got as well. He may not be Tyreek Hill, may not ever be Tyreek Hill, but got a skill set to be something like it. Now, guys, my fourth receiver is Rashad Batman. Now, Rashad Batman, I believe he is a perfect example of a guy who isn't the quickest, isn't the fastest, isn't the strongest, or even the most athletic. He's a guy who wins his routes at the line, and I cannot stress this enough. That is a very, very, very key component in the receiver's arsenal, the release. And a lot of guys don't realize that your release off the line is your is literally, I'd say about 75% of you winning the route you run. You win the release off the line 9 out of 10, 8 out of 10 times, you'll win the route. You would. You get off a clean release, man, you're good. Batman is terrific at getting off the line, getting off the jams, uses his 6-2 frame to his advantage. He's a big body guy. He's not necessarily, again, he's not a burner, but being the fact that he's he's beating you so bad off the line or being the fact that he's created so much separation just off of his off the line 2-2 two, two step, you're beaten. It doesn't matter what route he runs at that point. You're already a yard behind, and that's wide open in NFL terminology. Some weaknesses for me, again, not the most physical, not the most dominant physical opposing player. He's not a guy who's necessarily a perfect route runner. I mean, even though it looks good because his release is so good, but he's a good enough route runner to go along with his release that could improve at the next level. And to me, an honest pro comparison for him is Devontae Adams. I say the same thing about Devontae Adams. I think he wins more routes at the line than him actually running a really great routes. I think that a lot of people confuse the two. I think he has really good hands and similar to Devontae Adams. I think he may have one or two drops that may surprise you exactly like Devontae Adams. And I also believe he's he's not the biggest, he's not the strongest, he's not the fastest, but he's someone who's going to come in and work just as much. Again, Devontae Adams. Now, guys, my fifth receiver, my fifth and last receiver, I'm going to have to go with Terrence. Marshall Jr. Now, Terrence Marshall Jr. is a guy who also played at LSU alongside Jamar Chase. And look, he took over the role for Justin Jefferson. The guy's 6'3", big body receiver, faster than he looks, more athletic than he looks. He's a guy who, to me, has a player comparison to his very same teammate, Jamar Justin Jefferson, excuse me. And he's a guy who is athletic. He's Bigger than what he looks, faster than what he looks, stronger, good hands, really good deep threat. Can He's a pretty good route runner. He's not the best. I don't think he's going to be drafted because of his route running prowess. He's going to be drafted because he's a raw talent that could be paved into any color. That canvas is still blank, so you could paint that any color or dye it any color that you choose to. I think... Terrence Marshall Jr. is exactly that. I think he can be that, and I think he will go down as one of the steals of this draft, if I'm being honest with you. Now, some strengths of his, I think his size, 6'3 frame, big body guy, 
still athletic enough with that ability to actually go and get nitty-gritty and also run the finesse routes. I think that's a key component to today's game. And some weaknesses for him, I just honestly believe his game is still untapped. He still has a lot of learning to do. And another thing that I can't honestly say about him is the fact that he just just has to show a little bit more effort. He has to show a little more oomph. Because when you watch him on film, some routes he takes, he, he takes off. Some blocking schemes, he doesn't fully go out and try to block anyone. Again, you can get away with that in the college. He's, you're not going to get away with that in the NFL. Not against the best of the best. He has to improve that in a little bit for me. Now, guys, my pro comparison for Terrence Marshall Jr., I would have to say a similar skill set that I've seen. I would have to say something along the lines of A.J. Green. Raw talent. He's, I don't think he's as polished as A.J. Green was coming out of college. But I think he's a raw talent like A.J. Green from a talent perspective. I think he's a guy who can come in and turn into a number one option like A.J. Green once was. But it will take some time, honestly. Now, guys, first and foremost, guys, I want to thank you all for tuning in to the show once again. Please be sure to subscribe to the channel at Last Word Productions on YouTube. I'm also on Spotify. Apple, Amazon, TuneIn, Radio Public, you name it, we are there. Trust me, guys. And please be sure to subscribe to the Patreon as well. That's the same name as everything else, at Last Word Productions. And thank you all for your time, and I'll see you all in the next one.